Welcome back to Chew the Clock, a podcast brought to you by Viewpoints. I'm Peter Gibbs, and this episode was recorded November 29th. This week, I have an update on Riverside City College sports. I'll have a discussion with special guest Dennis Pope, and I'll wrap things up with global headlines. With that, let's get on with the show. wasn't much for RCC sports this past week due to the holiday, but I'll begin with men's basketball. The Tigers took on San Bernardino Valley on November 22nd and hoped to keep the undefeated season going. But unfortunately, the Wolverines gave RCC its first loss of the year as the final score was 80-76. to It's been a rough stretch for the defense in the past two games as the Tigers have allowed over 75 points in both matchups. Previously, to start the season, the team had not given up 70 in any game. Men's basketball has the rest of the week off and won't have another game until December 7th when it kicks off the Riverside Tournament against Cerritos. Hopefully, they will take this time to work on the defense and bounce back next week. Next up, I have a brief women's basketball update. There were no games to report for the break, but RCC is hosting Southwestern November 29th. So when this episode comes out, you can go online to RCC Athletics to double check what the final score was. Besides that game, the Tigers will be competing in four games this week as part of the Santa Ana tournament that runs from December 1st through December 3rd. To round out RCC Sports, I have my perspective of the playoff football game against the Ventura Hornets from November 26th. Multiple Tiger turnovers made it seem like the Hornets would pull off the upset, but the RCC defense did well in stopping Ventura from scoring. They really clutched up when they needed to. Then the offense took over. Quarterback Jake Wetzloff threw for over 400 yards and had six touchdowns, which won him the MVP award for the game. The defense did have a bit of a lackluster performance, but it was clutch when it needed to be, as it had two interceptions and a fumble recovery. But I think I have to give my star of the game to running back Bryce Strong. Bryce Strong rushed for 150 yards on 20 carries. That performance ended up getting him the player of the game award. Here's what Strong had to say on his game and what the team can do for the rest of the playoffs. All right, I'm here with Bryce Strong. Bryce, you led the team in rushing today. You were also awarded the player of the game. What was your mentality and preparation coming into this game and how did that help you with your performance? 
Uh, well, honestly, I just didn't want to lose first round, yeah. of course, and be home. So yeah. that, that was really my motivation, not getting sent home today. So okay. we came out here, we played strong, and the O-line did their thing and came out with it. <laughs> awesome. You had the O-line given all the gaps. What does that have to help you with for the rest of the playoffs? Like, how does that... How, how does that momentum carry on for the rest of the playoffs? Well, if the O-line, you know, keeps keeps it up, mm-hmm. I think we're pretty good um, for all the backs. And everybody did good today. And yeah. Awesome. Great, yeah. Last question. How confident are you guys with the re- after this game with the rest of the playoffs? How far do you think you can go? We think we can win it all. And, you know, we're going to work like we can win it all. So we're just ready for next week, one week at a time, and take our time. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bryce. That is your player of the game. Thank you. Thank Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Take care, man. You too. Thank you. Strong mentioned the offensive line had a great game, and I agree with him. So I interviewed starting center Ed Riley about his group and his individual performance. Here's his interview. All right, I'm here with the center of the team. You had a great game today. What was the group mentality for getting the holes open for the running backs? We lined up as a team, got together as one. There's no iron team, and we have to do what we have to do. You guys are protecting Jake Retzoff really well, but you're also balanced with the run and the pass. What's your guys' mentality going into next week? What do you guys think you can improve on? And what are your expectations? Honestly, we did a great job in the run game. There is things that we have to clean up. But at the end, we all came together. We did our jobs. That's all that matters is what we can control. Other than that, we can't do anything else. Awesome. And last question. Last question. Last question. All right. How confident are you guys going forward with the rest of the playoffs? I'm pretty confident. Like I said, all we got to do is make sure we're doing what we're doing and nothing else matters. Awesome. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate Thank it. You. Take care, man. You as well. RCC now will advance in the playoffs and will face Fullerton December 3rd. That game is at San Bernardino Valley College and it begins at 12 p.m. Joining me now to talk about RCC football and some soccer and the World Cup and things like that is Dennis Pope. Dennis, he is a freelance sports writer who has had his stories featured in the Press Enterprise, the Orange County Register, and The Sun, to name a few. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dennis Pope. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it, Pete. Of course. Well, what I want to start off with is RCC football. I know we both covered that playoff game against Ventura. Overall, I thought the team played well in terms of offense and having clutch defensive performances, but I want to get your thoughts on the defense as a whole, because besides getting turnovers, they really were kind of iffy in terms of stopping Ventura, who wasn't supposed to be as good offensively as they were. It's interesting that you bring up the defense. I think that's going to be crucial this Saturday. Mm -hmm. But going back to the previous Saturday against Ventura, both teams wanted to just get away with what they were doing on offense early on. Mm -hmm. And the defense was both the defenses were reacting poorly early. And it took a lot of adjustments. 
And there were some special plays made by RCC's defense, especially DeMarco Moore yep. um, coming up with that big interception in the end zone that made it difficult for Ventura. But Ventura was able to drive and drive and drive against Riverside um, to the point where all of those turnovers that were created were in the red zone or the gold zone yep. um, for Ventura. So it was a difficult uh Task, I think, for RCC's defense anyway. Ventura's offense is very good. Okay. Uh, we saw very good performance early on from their quarterback who Definitely. ran for a touchdown and passed for a touchdown um, in the first quarter, and they took the lead a couple of times. So mm-hmm. it's not like Ventura wasn't a, a well-prepared offense. Mm-hmm. I think at this level, there's so much inconsistency to, that to find consistency on either side of the ball is rare. Yeah. A- and Coach Kraft to his ultimate credit, right, builds consistent offenses year in and year out. And that's why RCC is where it is. The defense, he hands over to mm-hmm. other people. And so he doesn't have that minute control over things that the way he likes to have on offense. And defense is a place where you have to react. Yeah. You know, the offense is in control. They're running the plays. Defense players have to react. And so it takes a certain amount of time and space and play call recognition by the defense you know to start to get things straightened out and they have the talent right to make mm-hmm. some special plays and I think that's what you saw in the second half and that's what created a little bit of the margin that RCC ran with um, they built a lead just before halftime right mm-hmm. they scored it was like six seconds left before yeah. halftime to build a lead that they were able to hold there in the second half because the defense made some stops um, even though you know RCC on offense made some mistakes had some turnovers of their own had the block punt some other things so I think the defense can play better overall Mm -hmm. right and can certainly play better in the first half and can adjust more quickly but they're going to face another really really good offense this Saturday against Fullerton so I I imagine it's going to see something similar as we saw in the first half against Ventura Mm -hmm. a defense trying to adjust to what they're seeing in live time against Fullerton having seen it all week on film and kind of practiced it and done the um, the work, but it'll be a different scenario. Fullerton, um, a different offense. I don't know if you watched much of the game against Mount Sac last weekend, mm-hmm. um, but potent on offense, have playmakers, yep. and so they're going to have to do another fantastic job of isolating, right, not letting Fullerton hurt them one way or the other. Yeah, it's kind of you bring that up where. I feel as though the defense needs to eliminate one aspect of the offense from Fullerton. Kind of like a Bill Belichick, how he always eliminates either the running game or the passing game or something like that. But really, I feel the the big turning point in this game is going to be how the special teams can develop. Because last week they had that blocked punt and it seemed as though they were just a little off. And I know Coach Kraft, he specifically said that They weren't playing the way that they should be playing. And, you know, that's what every coach is going to say. But I personally believe he he meant that where they had so many mistakes in that game that they just don't typically make. And it's going to be interesting with Ventura or Fullerton, I mean, where, like you said, they they were going toe to toe with Mount Sac in that game when RCC took on Mount Sac was really close and it went to triple overtime. So I'm interested. Uh, what are your thoughts on how this game could go? What do you think is going to be the key 
thing that will swing the tide for either team. Special teams is reps for me. Um, and so having the Tigers having had that break, that you know, one week off in between mm-hmm. week 10 against Chafee and this game against Ventura, um, you could see. I don't know if you rust or lack of preparation or how you want to, you know, phrase it, but clearly they were a little bit off starting with the first extra point, right, that was yeah. missed. And that sort of set the tone for a weird day for special teams, I think, for RCC. And it, it does. It takes, it takes live reps. It takes, yep. you know, seeing mistakes. It takes, you know figuring out what it is that you did wrong the last time and to their credit they kind of turned it around and everything was perfect by the Mm -hmm. end of the game for RCC special teams so it was just some early hiccups and I don't think you're going to really see that again I think they're Mm going to really hammer have have hammered that this week um, in preparation for Fullerton and you won't see an extra a missed extra kick I don't think we will Um, you know block punt that's a different thing because the way they lined up to block that didn't look like they were expecting or preparing for a block punt and they came off the edge and they blocked it and then they fixed that Yeah. right so that's something that's like you know the coaches once they see it they'll be able to fix it pretty quickly Um, inconsistencies the more pressure is applied to these players the better that they get at this level Mm -hmm. And so having games still week after week, the players are just getting better. Yep. And it's an opportunity for them to get better. So I don't think you're going to see the hiccups that you saw last week against Ventura. Mm-hmm. It just won't happen. They'll be sharper. Um, it'll be a better game, I think, even though RCC's offense cranked out 666 yards, yeah. right? Which is an incredible amount of offense, even for this level. They're averaging over nearly 600 yards a game, 599, right? And... Redslaff, Jake Redslaff is just doing an amazing job. The, the running game, as I wrote this week, is doing an amazing yep. job. And it's the offensive line that's been able, you know, knock on wood, to stay healthy this yeah. season. And that was one of the things that Coach Kraft before the season said, we're kind of thin at offensive line. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've been able to really, really do a good job in the weight room, figuring things out so that these guys stay healthy for the long, long season. And, you know, they still want to have two games to play. They have yep. at least one. They want to play one more. So these guys have to continue to stay stay healthy and they had to continue to pound the ball if you're passing for 400 yards and running for 220 every yep. game who can beat you nobody's gonna be able right to. who can beat you so at this level that's almost unheard of i don't know if rcc's offense has ever been this productive okay. it's been really really good in spots and 2019 was special mm-hmm. you know they had a really good group of running backs a lot like this mm-hmm. group and the, the quarterback was different but just as big over the top with some big plays um so the quarterbacks change the offense remains the same for the most part just kind of tailors to the quarterback and jake retzlaff is a gunslinger at this point what can you say about his play so far (laughs) he's really limited the interceptions, uh, 40 plus touchdown passes, 4,000 yards, you know, massive numbers. So I'm sure that he's going to find the right spot at the next level thinking forward. But for now, he really poses a problem for defenses. I was talking to Ventura's coach, Meshuggan, after the game, and he says he's a different quarterback that we've had to deal with this season because of his ability with his legs. Yeah. And you toss in weird arm angles oh, yeah. and, and doing that stuff from, you know, not even sidearms sometimes, it's even below. And, and kind of like a submarine. Right. Yeah. And you 
the defense doesn't know where the ball's coming from. And that's really, really difficult. And that, you know, is part and the other reason why the Tigers are accumulating so much offense is the unpredictability of Jake Retzlaff. Definitely. Now, how long can he keep that going for? You know, is he able to translate that again at the next level? We'll see. But he's got, you know, defenses on the run right now. And I think that's what I think Kraft is working with right now. They, they don't, defenses don't know what he's going to do. And as long as they have two or three different running backs yep. who are able to, to, to work, you know, and they're still able to. 30 carries total, 35 carries total, and give one guy 20, mm-hmm. you know, and have him produce 100, what you, 150 right. yards Yeah, Bryce Strong with 150 on 20 carries. Just right. crazy numbers. So that kind of balance isn't normal for junior college football, mm-hmm. um, and they're really, I think, probably putting a lot of fear in the Fullerton Hornets right now. Definitely. The one thing that I think is kind of the key is last week, Reggie Retzloff didn't really... He wasn't as involved as we're accustomed to. He's typically a guy who will have eight catches minimum, but this past week I believe he had less than three or something like that. Um, a couple of touchdowns still, though. He did, yes. Yeah. He's still that that red zone threat, but he wasn't the main guy in terms of throwing it across the field. I would say that's what makes this game extra special, where you now have to worry about the supporting cast because like a guy like Roshan Lacey, he had a very good performance. So, uh, and Bryce Strong had three catches for 90 yards. Definitely. Right. So, again, that's the unpredictability of where Retzlaff is going to throw. Mm-hmm. If you look at the list of receivers that he's hit this season, it's like 20 guys. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a massive list. And, again, you're not. it's not normal for junior college football, mm-hmm. you know, to have that many weapons. It, it's just kind of mind-boggling what they've put together this year yep. uh, on the back of you know another tremendous year where they made the state final mm-hmm. last year and two years removed because of covid from 2019 yes. and a state title this might be as strong a run as there's ever been mm-hmm. in california junior college football just this last three years not to mention the previous seven oh, yeah. that Kraft put together before this at rcc and not to mention the other places that he's been that he's been a phenomenal quarterback guru so he's really you know at the top of his game the offense as is as good as it's ever been mm-hmm. and, and i find it really hard to think that there's a team out there that can find an answer it'll be rcc making mistakes that makes sense you know it, it'll be you know again something that happens on special teams in a close mm-hmm. game right or something that ends up beating rcc it won't be a team you know, stepping up and stopping RCC because Fullerton, they, they barely beat Mount Sac. Yep. You know, and to their credit this season, they've had a really, really good season, mm-hmm. but they're not the number one team. No. Right? So, uh, it's a good reason for RCC to have a lot of confidence, right? And having an undefeated record and having gone yep. through what they've gone through this season. We haven't even touched on that, right? Oh, yeah. Having to play all their games, not at home. Oh, yeah. I was, right? was so. going to bring that part up. I mean, I think they are so strong mentally where, as we mentioned, they haven't played a true home game, but they've also gone through so much adversity. And I think they've been through just about every situation you can think of where you're in the lead, you're in a tight battle, such as the Mount Sac game, or that crazy comeback they had against, I believe, 
Uh, I, I don't remember, but it was... Canyons earlier this I, season? I think it was either Canyons or, or something like mm-hmm. that, but... Um, I think they're They've been tested They've been tested And I think they're built For anything that comes their way Whether it's against Fullerton Or if it's in the state championship Yeah Even like a mistake Like to be undone By a singular mistake I don't think that's this team Mm -hmm. But In a situation late in the game Where the game's close You know Anything can kind of happen Definitely Um, They get out to leads early They build uh, Flawless drives Retzlaff was four for four on the opening drive um, to, to put it in the end zone and then did it again on the next drive and they just do it again and they do it again and they, and they wear teams out. Oh, yeah. You know, and how, how can you, again, with that balance, you know, and, and that unpredictability, how can you stop that as a defense? You have to have telekinesis, you know, be able to tell, see what he's thinking because yeah. otherwise you're just on your heels all the time and you're reacting and they can beat you so many different ways, right? They have 20 different guys that he throws to. His brother is 6'4", you know, and just a massive target in the corner of the end zone. Roshan Lacey can break down defenses. Um, Three running backs, including Bryce Strong. Yep. It's just a really, really good offense, and it's all led by Jake Retzlaff, who has gone from good high school quarterback yep. to wow he, he can do some things at the junior college level at Golden West last year mm-hmm. and decides to join his brother here in RCC this yep. year and the you know they've broken the lid off oh yeah you know the, they're putting I don't know the what records. the I, honestly I should know but I don't what yeah. the school records are for offense but I can't think that they're not Either the, either the record holders for passing offense and Retzloff's not the single season or he's right there super close. So I'm going to look at that this week, um, but that'll give myself some homework to do. Yeah. Uh, I, you just look at it, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, we're looking at the stats. The right numbers now, are up. And he's, he's really done some things that, you know, are impressive across the United States and you know the the stats are reflective of California because of the CCCAA yep. right and the way junior colleges run here in California but you know, find me a junior college quarterback whose stats also match Rhett's last this season oh yeah right He's, he's just been very good. I mean, I remember the first game of the season, he set records for yards in a game by a first-time quarterback and touchdowns in a game. Yep. So he, he he's done a lot in terms of preparation for this season, and it's really shown on the field throughout the entire year. I mean, from game one, he's been very consistent with his numbers, and he's just been that superstar level guy I would say and he's fun to be around on the sideline too oh, yeah. right he's always joking around smiling having a good time mm-hmm. it doesn't ever seem like the pressure's getting to him at all yep. and you know when you have all these weapons around you what's the pressure the oh, pressure's just to get him the ball right? and then we mentioned the O-line and since they have been healthy they've kept the pocket clean they've been doing everything I mean I remember this past game they didn't give up a sack and obviously they helped Bryce Strong run for 150 yards so this team on offense is truly complete in my eyes yep and the hell and they stay healthy yep. right so that's the the key part we, we also thought about on Saturday 
who's this guy's backup? Yeah. Right? How does he ever make the field? But the backup's Bud Bernie, a guy from Riverside Poly, um, who played a little bit two seasons ago, I Mm -hmm. think, um, before they figured out, you know, that Retzlaff was going to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I can't imagine he gets the field to to see the field much um, going for the rest of the season anyway. Yeah. Unless something happens and knock on wood for that one. But, uh, you know, it should be a great game on Saturday against Fullerton. I'm really excited for it to see. I imagine it'll be close because Mount Sac and RCC was close and Fullerton beat Mount Sac. But it, it should be a really fun game to watch. Uh, Fullerton only with the one loss this season. Yep. Um, and they, they took everything that Mount Sac had, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the games, if you compare them, they should match up pretty well. I think it'll be similar again to what we saw against Ventura. The teams will be like 14-14 around yeah. the end of the first quarter. Um, and then RCC will get a stop and get a score, and that'll start to build on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it'll end up, you know, it could end up at 50s to 40s, yeah. something like that. That's a lot. Um, RCC's defense probably we're expecting them to play a little bit better mm-hmm. so you know still 28 or 35 points in a junior college game um, is uh, a probably a, an expectation for Fullerton at least you yeah. know and of course they want to win this game I'm sure oh, they want to do very very badly um, and so they're they're looking to you know, kick 62 points again yeah. against RCC, probably. I just don't see that happening. RCC's defense is too fast, mm-hmm. too physical. Uh, the line is uh, wearing out mm-hmm. opposing offensive lines right now, late in games, um, and they're just starting to pile up sacks. So, again, it, it's all signs point to RCC right now yep. in, in this one. Um, and then potentially a, a another matchup against San Mateo in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's yet to be determined still. But the RCC is in the middle of some sort of golden era oh, definitely. right now. Definitely. And I think Retzlaff it might be the pinnacle of, you know, kind of Tom Craft's you know, wizardry, yeah. you know, and stuff. Yep. He, he's had really cool quarterbacks come through here previously and a lot of talented dudes, mm-hmm. but Retzlaff can do it all, yep. you know, and he's he's running the ball. He's leading the offense. He's, you know, kind of the, you know, we don't want to talk too much about one singular dude, but, you know, when you throw for 4,000, you know, and 40 touchdowns, you can't, your name can't be avoided. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing everything right. And it seems like he's got a, a massive future ahead of him. And the, this Saturday is just another, you know, going to be another headline yep. for him, you know. It's another path in his long journey, I would imagine. And, you know, who knows? Because both he and Reggie, right, are looking to transfer Definitely. after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've already mentioned in interviews how at least their family would like them to go to yeah. the same school I think we've seen a little bit this year how Jake's looked to mm-hmm. Reggie in some spots where maybe some other guys were open yep. and things like that and how long do you want to keep that relationship going and to what point does that become a detriment mm-hmm. right to the offense so they have a lot of you know things that they need still to answer for themselves if that's the best situation for them 
um, you know, individually in terms of their, their own growth yeah. and so on. Because, you know, how long are they going to carry this on for? You know, is it stepbrothers, you know, oh, forever, yeah. you know, bunk beds and the whole yeah. deal for, for grooming, life, you know, like grooming and everything. <laughs> so, um, you got to think that the ceiling for offers for Jake is yep. probably higher than Reggie. Mm-hmm. And so he might see a different situation than Reggie might be able to look at. And so he might, you know, have to make a decision that he, you know, may or may not want to make and what that, you know, uh, what that chemistry is really, really like. Yeah. I saw on the Inland Sports Show, uh, Pep, shout out Pep Fernandez, um, that, that, you know, they get along really, really well. Yeah. And they're together post-game and the family's around them. And, and you know, they're the amount of interaction that they have during the game, you can tell that there's um, like a second language for them. Mm-hmm. And it's a special thing to see. But as a grown man who has grown men who are brothers yeah. right you have to grow some separation at some point mm-hmm. and they're in a certain special situation obviously where their athletic talent allows them to be yep. in this you know setting together mm-hmm. and, and do you you know just take advantage of that for as long as possible uh-huh. you know it has to be a, a, th- a conversation you know like what if just say what if Jake gets an offer to go to Notre Dame. Yep. And Reggie gets Arizona State. Mm-hmm. You know, Jake could also go to Arizona State, but he's been dying his whole life to be, you know, in in, in the bigger, right, bigger South situation. Bend, Indiana, and and be at Notre Dame and do the thing, yep. right? What's that conversation like, yep. right? Hypothetically speaking, so that's something that. that us as sports writers can kind of dream about and write about it. It's totally a fictional scenario, right? It's made up in my head. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if it comes to that, wouldn't that be, you know, a, a difficult, right, situation and tough. decision to make? Yep. Right? So, it would be tough. It'll be, see, it'll be super interesting side side news as to see how that works out post, yeah. postseason um, with these two. But until then, you know, you just focus on the season and have as much fun as you can while you're in the moment. They're going to hate this conversation if they oh, hear yeah. it. Yeah, they're oh, gonna, yeah. They're, these guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to move on. Uh, the last thing is, is talking about both Inland Empire soccer and the World Cup since it's that time of year. Um, I know you just covered both CBU and UCR for the NCAA tournament. Um, The big thing that I'm curious about is here at RCC, we don't have a soccer team or a soccer program. So um, with those two schools in D1 making it to the tournament, do you think there's any chance that RCC will get a team maybe within the next five to 10 years or so? Unlikely. Uh, I've, talked a little bit with the program about you know bringing soccer back to RCC mm-hmm. it moved from the Riverside campus to the Norco campus okay. um, in the early uh, late 90s early 2000s I don't know my timeline exactly yeah but it's been at Norco College mm-hmm. they have a program there they're the Mustangs I believe yeah something like that. And, and they play on campus because they were space for soccer gotcha. at Norco where there wasn't space here at Riverside any longer um, so the team well there's still no space here at the Riverside campus mm-hmm for soccer they'd have to play on the football field and we just got done talking about how good the football program is and not necessarily even the the football 
field or any part of that, that's a whole different scenario. Yeah. But there's not room for soccer here at the Riverside campus gotcha. currently as the campus is situated. So they would have to play somewhere else and, mm-hmm. and partner with either the school district here locally or the parks department or something yep. to, of that nature to run it. And that's an additional cost. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't look like it's fits in with what's currently happening. Mm-hmm. Now, with the success of UC Riverside's men's and CBU's men's programs this yep. season, making the NCAA tournament and winning their conference tournaments in front of great home crowds here oh, yeah. at Riverside, it was really, really cool to see. Definitely. RCC, again, just isn't built right now for soccer. Mm-hmm. Again, the program has more space at Norco. There's more room to train and all of that. Soccer takes, one of the things soccer takes is space, right? It doesn't take much, but a ball and a goal, right? But it takes space. So you got to have that room to train um, and that room for those players to run around. And Norco has a longstanding now soccer field out there Mm -hmm. um, that they take pretty good care of that there just isn't space for here in Riverside again to harp on the Riverside campus for not having space for that but where are you going to put it yeah right landlocked all the way around 14th the Magnolia mm-hmm. to all of wood in the back Terracina on the side there's just no place for a soccer pitch on this place no space nothing right? like that it's just a better situation for North Carolina. so <sighs> soccer can succeed anywhere yeah now don't get me wrong I work in soccer um Soccer can succeed in places where you'd least suspect. There can be a way to host soccer here in Riverside. It it would just, again, take partnering with Central Middle School across the street, developing that situation or something where they would have to put some financing into that or building a dual-use facility down below with Wheelock Stadium. Mm -hmm. That we didn't talk about with the football conversation, but is still up in the air what's going to happen with that field um we presume that it will be football americano specific yeah right and built for this really really successful football program that's drawn a lot of really really good things into the riverside campus uh, and not also split time with soccer which would be an afterthought here in riverside but if they did that there's no reason that you can't have a program here as well as long as you develop the time and the space to give to those programs Mm -hmm. Um, you know taking time then away from football and Coach Kraft's team and so the recipe just doesn't seem right here right now love to see it it would have been great as a student journalist here to have soccer and not have to travel to norco to to find soccer and and find that program and at the time when i was at viewpoints um it was a fledgling program yeah like they had a team but the conference at the time the orange empire conference was way better towards Orange County gotcha. and so Norco was just getting badly beaten week in and week out mm-hmm. it, we would rather not publicize that at a certain point Makes sense. so unfortunately they've never received a lot of attention um, but the program still continues um, and for a long time it's been connected to Corona High School which has okay. had a successful program itself yep. um, and so they've had good players come in and out of there there's mm-hmm. been some players move on um, using different mechanisms including 
uh, uh, Sueño MLS. Oh, okay. Right. They've had a, a two players participate in that and go on to play in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is an, an unbelievable amount of soccer talent out here in Riverside and in Inland Empire. There's been historically speaking a massive amount of talent come out of the Inland Empire mm-hmm. um, you know Randon Donovan Nick yep. Ramondo Maurice Du. The, the list is long really it is and just uh, men's side not to mention the women so and there is soccer around there is football around yeah um for even players at this age group, right? There's men's clubs, amateur clubs in leagues like the Southwest Premier League and SoCal yep. Premier League, Mesa Nation, that do provide an avenue for players this age. Um, there are women's clubs mm-hmm. in the area that do cater to this age group, um, the junior college, you know, early 20-somethings, yeah. you know, age group. Uh, Futures FC out of Corona does a great job. Okay. Um, there's a lot of really positive things happening uh, on the men's side. Here in the Inland Empire is part of the growth nationally. Um, IE Republic, which is a team that okay. plays out of uh, occasionally different high schools in San Bernardino. Um, Inland Empire FC, which plays out of different places in the Inland Empire. The problem is facilities. Yep. And if we want to have a football conversation, I can't stre- stress enough. And, you know, going back to the conversation about Riverside, it comes down to facilities. Yep. There's not enough dedicated soccer slash football facilities here in the Inland Empire. There are soccer parks. There is... Places like Harupa Regional Park, mm-hmm. uh, Redlands Soccer Park, um, you know, Norco, Silver Lakes, right? There are soccer places. There are There is AYSO and, and recreational soccer. Okay. Um, but Riverside actually has had um, recently its own AYSO, uh, to put the right words into the situation, um, probably damaged by lack of facilities. A.B. Brown Soccer Complex, mm-hmm which was a long-standing soccer complex here in the city. Uh, the, the AYSO lost their lease, decided to not to renew their lease as the, the rents continue to skyrocket. Okay. Um, and so they're now playing at, d- at different parks in and around Riverside, AYSO uh-huh. is. But their uh, long-time um, soccer-specific facility, the Avery Brown Complex, is now nothing but tumbleweeds waiting for redevelopment. Gotcha. Um, and that's a really... To the detriment of soccer in Riverside, uh, that could be a place that's utilized on, on a different number of levels and has been approached by different soccer entities over the years for soccer development. But the city and, and different um, interests here in the city have always decided against real soccer development yeah. here in the city and so it's difficult for the people that run it organizations like AYSO to do things um, without you know saying hey you know we're a youth organization you have to legally help us yeah you know and the city's like oh okay I guess so where they'll fork out money for, for football and, and baseball and different youth sports soccer's always had a difficult time despite its record of success and that's difficult um, here in places like Riverside, which has seen clubs come and go, like Chorus US, USA, uh, Riverside FC, which had to partner with Albion. I'm dragging a bunch of people's names into this conversation. <laughs> probably don't want associated with this. But soccer in Riverside has a rich history. Yeah. And the Inland Empire, massive history. But business interests conflict with the game. And so we see a situation now where we're just hopeful that some of these really 
uh, young programs can find success, okay. you know, can find traction here and, and continue to produce really good players. Mm-hmm. And some of the high schools around here produce phenomenal players that go on to have really legit like NCAA success. But because the system is the way it is, the pathways are constricted. Um, you know, you go one way and you run up against the wrong coaches and yeah. all of a sudden you're not getting the recommendations you need. You try and go pro and you don't have success early enough, mm-hmm. taint your future, all kinds of stuff. And like, you know, there's a lot of politics involved, yeah. more so than there are in some other sports. And so it is a difficult situation where the pathways aren't defined. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, well, if you don't get drafted out of high school, you go to college, okay. right? If you don't get drafted out of college, we're talking about baseball here, yeah. right? You go to the independent leagues. And if you don't succeed in the independent leagues, you know where you stand, yeah. right? There's clearly the upside, you've reached your upside. Mm-hmm. Well, here in soccer, there's really no pathway. You play high school, okay? And if you don't decide to try and, and get a visa or something or go overseas and you try and play in college and if you play in college that's excellent for you hopefully you get your degree right but what do you do after college if you're not amongst the two rounds drafted in MLS okay right you try and find your visa again and go that way and try and you know uh, be a needle in a haystack or do you drop into what you're comfortable into here in the states and that's playing amateur deciding to coach and doing things where your upside is still you're 22 23 you still have like four or five really good soccer years at least right on the the you know small side of your career and so there's so much potential out there for a great soccer nation that in the microcosm that is the Inland Empire we see the receipts of that and that's lack of development lack of clubs you know lack of uh, a proper footballing culture Mm -hmm. and and so yeah we could talk about soccer all day and and go from uh, talking about how really cool it was to see UCR and CBU succeed but I can't not mention the 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 bad part of the culture while we prop up college soccer which is great okay some people have some really negative things to say but but as long as it's providing opportunities for players it's a great opportunity and so those hopefully begin to shine a light those programs begin to shine a light on some of the issues with the culture here Mm -hmm. um you know that we can't see without there a spot a spotlight being on the game yeah so yeah hopefully you know they continue to have success. I know there's some good players that are going to both those programs next year out of here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to continue to have good players and, and you know, they have good um, international transfers and that's a big part of the college game too. So we want to see more, mm-hmm. just more. You know, that was a great place to be that weekend here in Riverside for, for college soccer. Oh, more. Yeah. You know, I want to see more. Makes sense. I mean, I remember growing up, it was just, I stopped playing soccer when I was maybe 11 or 12, and that was due to just not, I feel like development wasn't there as much in the youth league that I was part of. So I would love to see soccer make a big comeback here in Inland Empire. I know I had plenty of friends who played soccer, and they obviously haven't played it as much now because of the development. So... Um, you bring up some really good points and I I would love to see soccer flourish here in the Inland Empire some more. Hey, Pete, once you get to 30, I I run my over 30 team. You're welcome to come (laughs) out. I got to get back into the training and everything and then I'll I'll try that out for sure. 
the last thing I want to talk about before I let you go is just the World Cup. It's the biggest sporting event right now. Uh, so USA Soccer, they've been really good so far. Uh, they they didn't meet expectations with the Wales game where they, they tied, but tying England was a big step for the program's history, I would say. What... Do you? What are your thoughts on the USA's performance so far? They've been really good in the first half of each of those matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing against Wales, you thought, hey, this team's a little bit different than the one we saw in qualifying. Yeah. Um, the mistake from Zimmerman was an effort mistake, and I can't really fault him for that. Yeah. And if you're saying that that's the only, not you in particular, but uh, U.S. soccer, yeah. the, the people fans. who cover fans and all that, yeah. saying that that's an egregious mistake, I, I say I, you should watch more soccer. So. Yeah. That aside, really great game against game plan against England. Mm-hmm. Um, smart, really tenacious, getting after the ball, uh, and didn't allow anybody individually to hurt them. Yeah, right, which is key to the England game. And England made some iffy non substitutions, not bringing in Phil Foden, not bringing in, in it, Trent it was Alexander, yeah. right? So guys who could potentially have hurt the U.S. And so I think we might have gotten a little lucky, the U.S. did, a little mm-hmm. bit lucky in that game. And, and with everything to play for, you saw, at least in the first half against Iran, uh, the right mentality by the U.S. Yeah. Uh, and Pulisic getting that goal was the face of that tenacity and that that mindset, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that he's going to have to throw his body at something to, to score the, the at least the opening goal. And they defended like heck in yeah. the second half, even though it was really, really ugly. And you still question some of Greg Burkhalter's substitutions, mm-hmm. right? It, it was effective. And you can still find reasons to argue with the things that Burhalter does, mm-hmm. right? But didn't drop anything from the group stage, yeah. right? Points out of every match. Could have gone for more against Iran, probably. Could have scored two or three of those oh, in the first half. It, it, that was the, the way that the offense was, was feeling that day. And so they're going to want to have to have that feeling again on Saturday against Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to see another first half like they've played first half too to put that in the Netherlands mind that yeah. they can do that. Do they have the legs for that? There's a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. But through the group stage, Burhalter made the right decisions. Okay. They look kind of iffy, you know, sometimes, but everything sort of worked out according to plan. Yep. Who can argue with five points and no losses from the group stage? Yeah. That's a hard one to say. There should have got they should have had more from that. So Yes, they're in a good spot right now, and it's fun to talk about the U.S. moving on in the World Cup, Mm -hmm. but I'm still left with this feeling of, why aren't they playing Gio Reyna? Yeah, that's that's the weird part, is he's so super talented, and he played really well in the qualifiers, at least I felt that, and I don't know whether it's he's not in shape or anything like that or there's a grudge against him but you really want to see the best players playing in the World Cup he is the most skilled offensive person imagination wise that the US has had in I don't know when Mm -hmm. forever maybe but his work rate when I say work rate I mean his uh, 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 
ability to to be the first line of defense yeah. and chase the ball yeah. and, and be really tenacious and, and go in on tackles and stuff. He's not that player, gotcha. right? And so certain amount of aggressiveness is needed mm. right in those matches and maybe it hasn't been the right fit maybe versus Netherlands who's a more technical team yeah Gio makes a little bit more sense than he would have against a, a really tenacious England side mm-hmm. or Wales or Iran who you know want to get after the ball and, and I think Netherlands wants to play they don't want to get in on hard crunching tackles they don't have those kind of players right now yeah and so we might see more of him but He'll have not played, but those 10 or 12 minutes that he played against England. And what are we left to think about the relationship that he has with coach? Yep. Right? Why hasn't coach been playing him? Especially when coaches and players are saying he's fit to play, he's just not ready or he doesn't fit the game plan. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, so you're left to read into that situation. And we need to see more from Brendan Aronson. Yep. You know, whether that's more time or a goal or something that leads to a goal, right, to give that's I think he has a lot of like the American spirit that he's uh-huh. carrying with this team yeah. is in Brendan Aronson. And so to have him do well, I think there'd be a lot of people that, that you know would have a more solid feeling about this US team, uh, you know, given his success at Leeds this season. He's so explosive that he, I think he needs a little bit more time in the game, at least 30 minutes to a full half mm-hmm. that we haven't seen from him yet. Hopefully, you know, with the Pulisic injury, right, I, we don't think he's going to start on Saturday. We expect him to probably play if needed, but... So, yeah. you know, signs are looking like Pulisic probably won't start and Aronson will be that replacement. We want to see something from Aronson in that first half. Yeah, definitely. Right? We have to see something that's to the level of explosiveness that we've seen in these first three matches from the U.S. Okay. Um, otherwise, it, it could be a long day for the U.S. You yeah. know, the, the defense can only put up with so much. I think they're... the ones that we worried about tired legs for because mm-hmm. they have done a lot of running and Dest and Anthony Robinson have done a lot of forward yeah, running. They sure have. And, and you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers, kind of a revelation in, in the last game. You know, can he repeat that performance? He's known for being inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of questions still. And I'm, you know, looking forward to waking up super early. <laughs> And uh, yeah, cracking an adult beverage uh, because it's the World Cup. Yep. And enjoying the heck out of that match. Definitely. I, I'm so excited with this group, though. They're so young, and you know they're just getting this experience now. Where playing well against Netherlands would be great, and if they win, that's amazing. But even if they don't, there's nothing wrong with losing here. Where in the future you're going to have this chance again. You just need the experience pretty much that's what I would say it depends on how they lose that's true right that's true and what they can take from the experience yep right don't want to get blown out no right but a win here also means a matchup probably with Argentina Mm -hmm. so you know that's an even bigger experience than playing the Netherlands who's kind of aging and not a Netherlands that's a world power yeah. so much. You want to have that quarterfinal matchup against Messi and Argentina. Oh, yeah. You right? want the I big think. name. So I think you, you guns blazing here for yep. the U.S. You know, every, you put out everything possibly can to try to make that matchup with Argentina possible. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, as we saw with Argentina in their first group stage, they're beatable. Yeah. Right? So you have hope. Oh, yeah. So Definitely. It, crazier things have happened. I'm not going to make a prediction. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. just not going to do it. Don't That's ask fine. me. I'm not going to do fine. it. So, uh, but to play Argentina in a World Cup would be an amazing thing for this U.S. group. Yeah. And you're right. Great things are ahead, especially for this midfield. Right? Mm -hmm. They're so young. Tyler Adams is so good at oh, such a yes. young age. Definitely. And Musa, you know, breaking lines is a crazy, crazy kid. Mm -hmm. Legitimately just 20 years yeah, old. Right? He's my age. Right? He should be it's here crazy. in view, viewpoints with yeah. us. Right? Yeah. He said he's in the World Cup. Um, you know, I think just really cool things are ahead for this group and any experience from here on out is going to be a mm -hmm. good one again you, you want to go out and give a good performance no matter who you play against so um yeah just preface that statement by a loss wouldn't be the worst thing here right against netherlands yeah. because they are netherlands mm -hmm. but depends on you know that the, uh, the quality of that performance just play competitive and that's all we can ask for that is all we can ask for just yeah go out and put everything into that sleeve you know and that crest on your on your chest yep. um you know and hopefully represent your country to the best of your ability definitely well thank you mr dennis pope for hopping on the show today it's before, my pleasure man thank you for having me before i let you go is there anything you want to tell the people on what you're working on any projects anything like that well yeah uh, as a matter of fact um i was just hired as the communication specialist for okay. nisa nation um, so Nisa Nation is a uh, an amateur tier of the National Independent Soccer Association, which mm -hmm. is a professional third third tier here in the United States. Okay. Um, so very excited about that opportunity. Uh, beginning to work again firsthand with clubs um, who are trying to achieve great things in this system, trying to do great things for this system and, and cha hopefully change the system. Um, been working in soccer since 2015, okay. um, and it's been a, a, a radical experience for my growth as a yeah. as a person in the business and for I think a lot of clubs because I'm able to bring a level of professionalism to their approach mm -hmm. when it comes to their media marketing that they didn't know that they were capable of okay. um, and, and show them better ways and, and how to present themselves social media website marketing and doing different things for them where they're able to um, bring in sponsors partners investors you know new people into the club to help grow their clubs to become a bigger part of their communities and so very focused on community-based soccer okay. uh, building uh, clubs in places like Riverside mm -hmm. um, and doing it the right way based upon the idea that uh, sporting merit is mm -hmm. the way forward and not deep pocketbooks yeah and, and trying to find a pathway for clubs and players in the united states to build something better for themselves mm -hmm. awesome well congratulations on that thank you and thank you for joining me today it's been a pleasure uh we'll be sure to get you on this show again eventually but thank you for your time today it's my pleasure man thanks for having me awesome I want to give a big shout out to Dennis Pope. He was an amazing guest to have on this week. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everybody enjoyed that one. I know it was a bit on the longer side, but I really had a great conversation with him. And he's very knowledgeable about all Inland Empire sports, but specifically soccer. So that is why I wanted to bring him on is just to have a discussion and specifically get his thoughts on soccer in the Inland Empire area. 
Now it's time for some local sports outside of RCC to start. I have an update on college football. UCLA took on Cal and won 35-28. The Bruins finished the season with a record of 9-3 and will very likely have a big-name bowl game in January. As for USC, the Trojans defeated Notre Dame 38-27. The team is now 11-1 on the year and will have a rematch against Utah on December 3rd to try and win the Pac-12 championship. If USC can win that game, they will very, very likely be in the college football playoff. Next up is the National Football League. The Chargers traveled to face the Arizona Cardinals and had a thrilling finish as they won 25-24. On the final drive of the game, the team scored touchdown to be down just one point, and instead of going for the tie and playing in overtime, they decided to go for two. Justin Herbert found Gerald Everett on a quick slant route and secured the game-winning conversion. The Chargers needed a big win, and they got it. They are currently right in the thick of it for the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Rams unfortunately lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. The defense played a great game, in my opinion, but just multiple injuries to the offense, such as quarterback Matthew Stafford and just the O-line, uh, it really hindered the offense and they couldn't really get anything going in this game. Moving on, I have professional basketball. The Clippers are now 12-9 and and are the fifth seed in the West. Unfortunately, Kawhi Leonard appears to be out with an ankle injury, and his timetable is undecided at the moment, so he could miss a significant amount of time, or he could be back rather quickly. Yeah, that story is still updating. On the flip side, though, The Lakers had LeBron James return after he missed a few games. They played the Spurs over the weekend, and they played very well. And now they are 7-12 on the year. So they've been gaining a little bit of momentum, but they're still kind of a weaker team in the league. Anaheim went 2-8-0 in its last 10 games. So that means 2 wins and 8 regulation losses. They are now 6 15 and 1, so only one overtime loss on the year. Los Angeles, on the other hand, has kept up the momentum and is now 12, 9, and 3. So they are having a good year, not a great year, but there is plenty of potential for the Kings this year. Finally, for local sports, I want to give an update on the Major League Baseball offseason because Baseball's been out for about a month now. The offseason has been in the swing of things. And uh, I just want to give an update on what the three SoCal teams have done so far. The Angels have been the most active team in Southern California as they have acquired Gio Urshela from the Twins and Hunter Renfro from the Brewers. But the biggest move overall was signing Tyler Anderson, who was an all-star for the Dodgers last year. So the Angels are getting some depth pieces who can play very well. Depth was a big issue for them last year, so it seems they are trying to improve upon that. As for those Dodgers, though, the team 
they've not really made any big moves. They did re-sign Clayton Kershaw, however, so that's a big plus for Dodger fans out there. But the shocking move was non-tendering Cody Bellinger. So what that means is they had the option to give him a contract, but they would have had to pay him a certain amount of money, and they were just unwilling to do so. So Cody Bellinger is now a free agent. It's not impossible that he would go back to the Dodgers, but it is now a bit unlikely. Finally, the Padres have re-signed multiple relievers from their bullpen, including Nick Martinez, who was a big piece for them in the playoffs last year. So those are the three teams, and those are the moves they've made at the moment. Dodgers and Padres seem to be solidifying those weaknesses they might have had last year, whereas the Angels are very much trying to improve their team in the offseason. Let's move on now to global sports and my legend of the week. There are plenty of candidates for legend of the week, but I think I'm going to have to go with Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Jacobs had a monster game, and I mean monster game, against the Seattle Seahawks as he had over 300 total yards. He was able to run the ball like crazy, and he also was very active in the passing game. I think the highlight of his day was the 86-yard walk-off touchdown in overtime. So the Seahawks got the ball. They didn't do much with it, gave it back to the Raiders. And on the first play, Josh Jacobs decides to just end the game right there. Goes all the way down the field, wins it for him. And for that performance, Josh Jacobs is the legend of the week. Next up, I have a World Cup update. This one is very fun because the United States men's team is officially moving on past the group stage. They tied against Wales in the opening game, and then on the day after Thanksgiving, they drew against England, and that was a big game. It was a big, big outcome. So needing a win against Iran to advance, the United States scored in the first half with an incredible Christian Pulisic goal. He's known as Captain America, and he came through in probably the biggest game of his career. Unfortunately, he was hurt on the play, and he may not actually be active for the knockout round. That one will be a developing story. As for the rest of the game, though, in the second half, the team really could have chosen to park the bus, which is an all-out defense, so they're not really trying to attack at all. They're just staying on the defensive side. They could have done that strategy. But instead, they decided to stay aggressive, and although they didn't score a second goal, it really wore down the Iran defense, and those players just were unable to get that tying goal, which would have helped them get through to the next round. And for that, the U.S. ended up holding on, and they won 1-0. This means that the U.S. will now play the Netherlands on December 3rd, And besides that in the World Cup, let me tell you, there have been some great games as well as some insane upsets. Argentina, who is the third team in the world, this is just my example that I have, they ended up losing to Saudi Arabia, which is about the 50th team in the world. So it's been a crazy World Cup, 
And by the time this episode comes out, the round of 16 will be decided. And that will do it for this episode of Chew the Clock. As always, make sure to turn on post notifications so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. Also, be sure to follow us at RCC Viewpoints on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And finally, make sure to check out our website at viewpointsonline.org for any updates on news or sports around RCC. Until next time, this has been Peter Gibbs saying so long for now.